Razorback football, basketball, and baseball still have a lot of things going on, particularly Razorback baseball and what the direction they're going to be going, finishing out the SEC season. And there's not going to be anyone better to talk about it than Andrew Hudson of Hogbeat.com. And he joins us on today's edition of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I'm your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 103.7 The Buzz and 1037thebuzz.com. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.net, and they have you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before at betonline.net, where the game starts. We have another special guest on the podcast today. As we're continuing to break down all things going on with the Razorbacks, and we especially want to talk some Razorback football too, as uh, there's a lot of weird rankings and things going on that way. But either way, we'll talk more about that as we welcome in on the podcast Andrew Hutchinson of Hogbeat.com. And Andrew, it's good to be joined by you once again, man. How you doing? Doing good, John. How about you? Well, we're, I'm doing good. I'm doing good, and you know that's one of the things that uh, I kind of want to start with. Uh, some uh, some Razorback football because we, we were discussing it on my radio show and I kind of want to get your take on it as well where there seems to be a lot of positivity in the Razorback football program and rightfully so but when I'm seeing like you know CBS Sports putting out a post spring top 25 in Arkansas is at number 10 and, and when I'm seeing like all these uh, other rankings whether it's you know just kind of people putting it out and they have Arkansas either top 10 or borderline top 10 it's like, I want to believe, I want to think that that's the case, but you're telling, like, and I'm sure you know this too, Arkansas has only been a preseason top 10 team twice since joining the SEC back in 07 and 2012, which both of them didn't end up being top 10 years. But like for them to be possibly ranked in the top 10 this upcoming season almost just seems like that's way, way too high for this team at this point. Yeah, but I mean, I, I can see why. I mean, I can tell you exactly why. His name's K.J. Jefferson. That, that's why you're a preseason top 10 team, just like you were preseason top 10 in 2012 because you had Wilson coming back. Uh, and, and, of course, in 2007, I think it was more about a guy named Darren McCadden. I think, really, those that's why you had those preseason top, tw- uh, top 10 rankings is you had that star power. And I think K.J. Jefferson brings you that. Now – are they a top 10 team? I mean, there, there's definitely some question marks. Now, I don't I don't have the expert inside analysis on the other 24 teams in the top 25 to really know, like, oh, is how does it compare to those teams? But I can tell you, I have questions. I mean, are, is there going to be a, a replacement for Traylon Burks? I mean, after watching spring ball, that's probably my number one concern about this team. Like, yes, there's incredible talent in that wide receiver room. I mean, Jane Hazelwood was a five-star recruit. Keytron Jackson, Warren Thompson, uh, Isaiah Satini is going to join join the group. Uh, of course, I didn't really get to see him because he wasn't here as an early enrollee, but those other guys, four-star recruits. So there, there's talents. Um, are, are they going to be as good as Traylon Burks? I'm hesitant to say that just because Traylon Burks, I believe, was a, a generational talent for Arkansas. So it, I can see why the rankings are there. They see Traylon Burks, or I mean, they see KJ Jefferson. They probably see a defense that you know retained Barry Odom, an offense that retained Kendall Bryles. So, I mean, there's lots of positive things, 
but I'm personally not quite ready to make the jump to say this is a preseason top 10 team. Well, see, and that's kind of leading to the next question because I, I was thinking about, okay, there's a major difference, obviously, between preseason top 10 and finishing the season top 10. And so I guess on a scale, pardon the, the pun, from 1 to 10, with 1 being the least surprised and 10 being the most surprised, where would you rank your surprise if Arkansas finished in the top 10 in this upcoming football season? Well, if you had asked me this before last season, I would say I would be completely stunned, so like a 10. But now now that we saw that they were a, a nine-win team last year, they were competitive in pretty much every game. I mean, they, they couldn't do much against Georgia, but they were the national champion. Uh, but they were competitive against Alabama. Uh, so I, to me, I'm thinking I'd, I'd maybe put it like around a – a four or a five. Like I wouldn't be super surprised that they finished in the top 10, but I'd also, I'm not expecting it. You know, that's where I'd put it. You know, if, if you know, say an Alabama person would say, Oh, well it's a, a given that they're going to be a top 10 team. So it's a one, not quite there yet, but I, I wouldn't be just totally floored or shocked if it happens. Yeah. See, I, I would be the same way. Cause I look at the schedule, Andrew, and is it, Maybe it's just the kind of the, the maybe the optimism that I have, but there's not really any team that I'm nervous about besides, of course, Alabama. Like, I mean, if you told me that Arkansas was going to beat Ole Miss and LSU, I wouldn't be surprised. Or if they were going to, to beat South Carolina or beat Auburn or beat Mississippi State or beat Missouri, like, I wouldn't be surprised by that. The only one I'd be surprised by is Alabama. And I know everyone's going to be high on AM, but. I don't feel like I'd be that surprised if they beat Texas A&M because we know down in Arlington, those games are always a little weird and they're always pretty close. I mean, for crying out loud, Chad Morris only lost by like seven and four points respectively in his two years and so and how horrible they were. So it's almost like it's not just that the team I have confidence in, but just the schedule, especially compared to last year, is so much more favorable, especially where some of your toughest games are at home in Razorback Stadium. Yeah, it's definitely a manageable schedule and one that you could afford to slip up a time or two and probably still be a top 10 team just because, you know, Cincinnati is a good team. I uh, don't know what Liberty is going to look like now that Malik Willis is gone, but, you know, you know they've still got Hugh Freeze. That's probably going to be a quality non-conference team. Um, the, you know, obviously Missouri State and Bobby Trino is kind of a you know, localized uh, storyline there, but uh, don't expect to lose to them. But I mean, those, those uh, BYU on the road, if you drop that game, I don't think that that's, you know, necessarily going to just tank your, your, uh, you know, ranking or whatever. Uh, you get South Carolina uh, early in the season. You know, they've got a lot of new pieces. Spencer Rattler's a new quarterback there. You know, are they going to have everything figured out by week two? I don't know. I think that sets up favorably for Arkansas. As you said, the A&M game, before last year, I was like, man, I don't know if they're ever going to win that game just because they seem to be kind of cursed almost. Like, uh, it, it reminds me of like you know LSU baseball, how it just seemed like LSU baseball would just find ways, weird ways to win series against Arkansas. Same thing with Texas A&M uh, football. It's just something weird would happen every year. They got that monkey off their back last year. Are they going to start beating them every year, kind of like they were whenever it was the uh, Southwest Classic, you know, SEC versus Big 12 with Bobby Vitrino? I'm not ready to say that because I think Texas A&M is still a very good program, but it should be a, a game you expect to at least be competitive in year in, year out. Uh, then the other games, I mean, you mentioned Alabama at home. 
if you're ever going to beat them, you'd think that, you know, having a returning quarterback, you know, obviously Alabama's got the returning Heisman Trophy winner, so that <laughs> that helps <laughs> uh, for them. But it could just kind of just evolve into the perfect scenario where if, if you get off to a hot start, you don't slip up against Cincinnati or uh, South Carolina or something like that, that could be a massive environment. And we saw what happened in basketball this past season when there was a really good environment at Bud Walton Arena. You can't tell me that didn't help Arkansas beat Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, those those teams. Uh, so I, I think it could – I mean, I'm not going to sit here and predict Arkansas to beat Alabama, but I think it does, as you said, it sets up in a manageable way where Arkansas could could win a good amount of games, and even if they lose a couple of times – they would still be a top 10 team in my opinion. Yeah. Cause I'm trying not to get too ahead of myself. Cause I, when I started going through the schedule and I started talking about it on the podcast, all of a sudden in my mind, I'm like, Oh yeah, they're going to go 11 and one, you know, but it, I, I know that that's like <laughs> un unbelievable, but it's, it, but here's the thing again, I just feel like you're, you're not going to win every game. Like for instance, great example last year, as great as Arkansas was, they lost to Auburn at home. And Auburn was not a good team. I mean, they finished, I think they finished six and six. They almost fired Brian Harson. It was a mess. And so things are going to happen in this conference. Uh, but the fact is, is that I think with KJ Jefferson, I think the schedule, I think with the just the uh everything that's going on with the Razorback football program. And also, I think one of the biggest things that's helped me or maybe makes me a little more confident is the transfers they brought in because. We know the transfer portal is a big part of what that goes on, and especially with Eric Musselman in basketball and then in football with Sam Pittman and everything. But it's like when you tell me you lose Joe Fouché and uh, Greg Brooks, but you bring in Breeny from Georgia and Dwight McLaughlin from LSU, you know, you lose uh, Grant Morgan, but you bring in Drew Sanders, who is from Alabama. It's like all those pieces coming together. I'm like, this, that last year's team was really good and he lost a lot of pieces, but because of who they brought in, I feel like, especially defensively, they could be just as good, maybe even better. The D-line's a little suspect at this point, but I feel like potentially they could be even a better defense next year than what they were this past year. Yeah, and I think the of those guys you mentioned, the one I'm most excited about is Drew Sanders, the, the transfer from Alabama. After watching him in the spring, seeing him in the spring showcase or whatever you want to call it, he is a – a player now. I mean, I, I don't want to degrade what Grant Morgan was at all because he was a incredible player and I think should be cherished by Arkansas fans for generations to come because of just, you know, coming from a walk on unheralded, you know, doesn't have the, you know, the God given abilities that maybe you expect from an SEC linebacker. But he just kind of willed his way to be an all SEC, all American guy. Well, Drew Sanders He's got those physical gifts. He's got those gifts that could uh, that are, you look for in an SEC linebacker. I mean, he looks the part, and he's got the the speed. He's got the just the the God given talent, uh, and I think that that would make the linebacker group even better, especially with Bumper Pool coming back. Um, and then, of course, you've got Jalen Catalan back and healthy. Uh, he looked healthy in spring in spring ball. Uh, so, I mean, if, if he's back to playing at the level you think he could, because that's, that's what people forget about is you didn't have one of your best defensive players for half the year last year, and you still won nine games. I think that, that having him back is huge. Those transfers, uh, uh, other transfers are good. You know, I'm anxious to see kind of how those defensive line transfers fit in, because Landon Jackson we didn't really get to see during the spring because he's recovered from an injury. 
Jordan Dominic, the transfer from Georgia Tech, wasn't here during the spring. They just landed a defensive tackle transfer from Arkansas State. I'm anxious to see how those guys fit in, but if, if that defensive line comes together and is productive, then I agree. I think this defense will be better than it was last year, which is crazy to say considering those pieces you mentioned that they lost. We'll continue our discussion with Andrew Hudson here in just a second. But first, I got to tell you about betonline.net and how they continue to be the number one source for all of your betting sports needs and info. From the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures, BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering, from live betting to playoffs to esports and to so much more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends and actions over at betonline.net, where the game starts. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Andrew Hutchinson of hogbeat.com is our guest here on the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. And Andrew, kind of shifting towards baseball because we know that that's currently going on. And uh, Arkansas got a really, really nice series win against Auburn this past weekend. The No more midweek regular season games. You got Vanderbilt at home this weekend. Then you finish the regular season out at Alabama. Then the SEC tournament and regionals and all that stuff. Uh, but here's the thing. I, I know you're a big baseball guy and you follow it a lot. But it's like... It's it's been such a weird year for me where it's like the expectation we all know is getting to Omaha. That seems to be the expectation every year for Dave Van Horn's team, maybe even winning it all. And this team has sometimes shown it's like frustrations. They've done things that just are, are, are puzzling. They've lost a couple of series, especially on the road. But yet people are saying, oh, I don't know about the hitting. I don't know how good this team is. I don't know that. But they're still like number four in the country, you know? So it, it's just... It, it's such a weird year because maybe because last year was so great that you know we're hoping there will be a redemption this year, or if it's just because this team's so up and down sometimes it's hard to figure out just how good they are. But I, I don't know. It's just been a weird year where it seems like still people are kind of uneasy in knowing how good this team is, but yet they've really never even been outside the top 10 pretty much the entire season. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. I think Arkansas fans – expect as you said to be in contention to make it to Omaha every year and this team has been you know in that in that range of teams that you expect to, to be competing for a national seed and, and a trip to Omaha but it just seems like there's certain aspects of the team it's just the way I put it as far as the offense is concerned is a top to bottom this offense should be should be on paper better than last year's team but it just doesn't quite have that clutch fact that we saw last year every time last year there was a chance to get a big hit they got it it was unbelievable I mean I kept on thinking like well they've they've been good on the last 10 so they're not going to get this one but there they go they'd hit another you know big home run or get a guy or whatever this year it's been it's been a little bit more of a struggle I, I I don't know if it's like regression to the mean or what but it just you know, the Texas A&M series, you know, really comes to mind. The two games they lost down at College Station, they had the, the I think, tying and go-ahead runs in scoring position, runners on second and third with no outs in the seventh inning or later, and neither time could, could get it done, uh, which, I mean, that's, you, that's a little bit kind of pick, cherry-picking a little bit because they did make an incredible comeback on that Sunday game to lose 11-10. to 10. 
Uh, they could have easily gotten blown out that game. But I'm wondering if that might have kind of set the stage. You know, they, they didn't come back then. They didn't come back against Missouri State in the midweek a couple of weeks ago. But then, sure enough, on Friday against Auburn, they, they get down 5 nothing early, and they come back, and they actually finish the job with the comeback. Uh, last year's team did that almost every week, it seemed like. This year's team, we haven't seen it that much. And we saw it against Auburn. I'm thinking, okay, this is where they're going to turn the corner. This is where they're going to, you know, shoot shoot off and, and be really, really good down the stretch. And then the next day, the offense manages three hits. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, they just can't get it going. It's just – it just may be the nature of this team where it's up and down, up and down. And I think it, you're just going to have to manage that. I mean, yes, they could still get hot and, and carry it through the postseason – but you may have to manage it where your your pitching carries you, your defense carries you. Unfortunately, at Auburn this weekend, the defense that had been just incredible all year just disappeared, like seven errors on the weekend, just very uncharacteristic. Going into that weekend, they were number two in the country in fielding percentage. Uh, so that was that was very uncharacteristic. But if you can get solid defense and solid pitching, which you've gotten both from mostly from your starters and then also really, really so, – uh, from the, the bullpen all year, then you can survive not producing at the level you probably think you should offensively. Uh, very delicate balance. There's much less room margin for error, in my opinion, than maybe, say, the 2018 or 2019 teams, or even last year, really. Uh, I mean, there is no Kevin Copps on this team, uh, but there's enough there, in my opinion, that they can make a run if that, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, there, there is enough there, even though fans maybe don't think this team is nearly as good as last year's team. But again, last year's team was a historically good season that we might not ever see again. Well, and you were, that is, because Tennessee's been, been incredible this year. Yeah, and, um, you know, I kind of I was kind of happy to see them lose a series, though. So I'm like, at yeah. least Arkansas has a little extra gap between the next team that does it, because we know it's so rare to win all 10 SEC series. But you know, when you bring up, like, because that's the one thing I have felt like this team is really good. But, okay, are they as good as last year in those clutch moments? Maybe not. But when you just think about personnel, because I think, you I mean, you returned pretty much the majority of your lineup from last year. Now, they're, you know, obviously, you know, Bob Moore has had maybe not been as good as what people were hoping at, at the plate. Uh, you know, there's been some other guys there that may, may not have been able to be where they're at or what you expected them to be. But if, if you look at some, like, other elements, too, yeah, you don't have Kevin Comps on this team, but – Overall, I feel like the bullpen for Razorback pitching is so much better. Like you have more guys that you can count on. And so it's almost like, you know, you take something from last year's team, but you add something different to this year's team. And so like you're hoping that maybe by mixing and matching all that stuff, this team will be good enough to make a run, especially uh, with the way that the bullpen's playing. Because like, you know, like when you got McIntyre coming in, it's like he's a guy that was like a midweek dude, you know, and then. You know, Van Horn kept saying that he wanted to kind of get him involved in that Auburn series, and he comes in, and the dude's electric. So it's kind of like, you know, it's not like you just know who you got. You've had guys that have developed as the season has gone on in, in the bullpen to where we know that, yeah, you know, last year off Arkansas's offense was great, and this year's offense it maybe not be as good. But I feel like, hey, if you want to win a World Series, pitching is where it's all about because if you go back to that 2018 team, you had some really good players, but – I don't think you're even in the College World Series finals if you don't have the great pitching staff that you had that year. And I think Arkansas may have something, 
not saying to the elite level of like one player, but collectively just as good of a pitching group as Arkansas's had. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that 2018 team, everyone remembers Blaine Knight, you know, going 14 and 0 and, and Matt Cronin's 14 saves. But to me, the, the X factors on that team were a couple of long middle relievers in uh, Barrett Lowski and, and Jake Reindel. And I just kept on thinking like, all right, does Arkansas have a guy like that that can be that middle reliever that's not, you know, we know what Brady Tigert is at the end of games. And I think the last, the last several weeks, Zach Morris, you know, the lefty has come on strong and, and proven that he could be a guy like that. I don't know if he's a guy that could go seven innings like Jake Reindel did a couple of times, but he's a guy that could give you three, maybe four, uh, if, if you really stretch him out. Um, and then also, you know, Will McIntyre has come on, uh, and this is a guy that you mentioned, you know, pitching on midweeks. That was only the last four midweeks that he pitched. He didn't pitch the first half of the season at all in any game. And he pitches in the midweek and he just picks up where he left off in 2020. Cause this is a guy that you know, he made a couple of appearances in 2020, right before the shutdown. Uh, and he looked pretty good. Uh, he, he didn't, I think he maybe only allowed like a run in like eight or nine innings, uh, didn't walk anybody. So he, he was really impressive and then didn't pitch at all last year. He redshirted. Uh, I think he went off and he kind of shoveled in summer ball. And then he has a better summer this past year. You're thinking, okay, maybe this guy's going to contribute. And then we get into the season, he's nowhere to be found. Like Dave Van Horn's not even mentioning him. And then all of a sudden he gets a start randomly out of the blue, like not even a guy that had been brought up by, by Dave. And he does well. He does well the next week and the next week. And you're thinking, okay, well, that's great. You're doing it against UCA, Arkansas State, UAPB. What are you going to do against the SEC? Well, all he does is he goes out and retires nine of the first ten batters he faces against Auburn, a very good offensive team. And he strikes out Sonny Deshara, who's still hitting over 400, which is just wild to me. So it, he has been a – just a, a huge, huge piece, I think, to this team that I think is going to be really vital either as a long reliever, as I said, or if you find yourself you know, losing a game in the regional and you need to play a fourth game, well, boom, you've got your fourth starter right there, assuming he hasn't pitched before. So uh, having those guys in the bullpen is just really, really big because, as I said, that 2018 team had it, and now you've got it here with the, the 2022 team. Uh, with multiple guys and not just one super mega star on Kevin Cops last year. Yeah, do you ever find yourself, and I know it's not fair, but maybe playing the, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda game of, like, you know, like what if Peyton Paulette was healthy and, and, you know, was able to play on this year? Because, again, it's been great, but I just was, like, thinking, man, you know, what would the staff, where that guy is incredible, we know how gifted he is, and he's a great pro prospect. Like, if he was your Friday starter, and then you had Connor Nolan, who's been great, as your Saturday starter. And then your Sunday start, I guess they would still maybe go Hagen Smith or maybe they'd stick with Jackson Wiggins. But either way, again, it's great. But, man, it's just one of those things that you think about to where it's like, good grief. You know, that could have been something that, you know, really could have set this team apart defensively and with pitching if Peyton Paulette was just healthy this year. Yeah, you do think about that from time to time because then, as you said, whether it's Hagen Smith or Jackson Wiggins as the Sunday guy in that scenario, the odd man out there suddenly becomes a, a long relief guy that could maybe give you six innings out of the bullpen if you needed it. So it, it But then again, in that scenario, would, would Will McIntyre have emerged like he has? Because then you probably have you know Hagen Smith say he's not pitching on Sundays. Maybe he's your midweek guy, and maybe he you know is in – 
eats up the innings that Will McIntyre would have gotten. So it's kind of hard to see kind of how the domino effect would have played out. But, man, the stuff that he had, and the, he looked pretty good at times last year. And I still maintain to this day that if, if he didn't get hurt and if Brady Slavens didn't get hurt at the SEC tournament, I think Arkansas would have been in Omaha last year. I really do. Um, but, again, injury is a part of the game, and sometimes you just have to deal with it. All right, before I let you go, though, I know we got to just uh, at least ask, talk some basketball and everything because everyone's wondering what in the world is happening with these scholarship distributions and how are they having enough room for these guys? Because uh, we know that Arkansas is pretty much already like at capacity, over capacity when it comes to scholarships. Uh, the the Rinky Council kit hasn't officially, at least to my knowledge at this point in time in the recording, has not officially committed to Arkansas, but everybody's kind of leaning towards him coming to the Razorbacks. So you're talking about another transfer guard coming in. You got Jalen Williams and the twins from Rhode Island that are technically still in uh, the NBA draft process, but can still come back. Like, how is this going to work, Andrew? Like what, what's going to happen here? Is this because people keep asking, Oh, does this mean that Jalen Williams is for sure gone? Because at some point in time, somebody's going to have to leave or somebody's going to have to not be welcome back. And I just don't know how this is all going to play out. Well, I'm going to steal something that Dave Van Horn likes to say when it comes to his baseball. That the numbers will work themselves out. And it's a little bit more difficult, I think, in basketball when you're talking about 13 scholarships. Um, that, that's, that's pretty tight. Uh, and 13 kind of scholarship players. You know, in baseball, you can divide up scholarships. You only have 11.7. A whole other conversation for another day. But with basketball – yeah, I mean, it's do you, do you push out? I mean, at this point, you only have three returning players, Devo Davis, Kamani Johnson, and Jackson Robinson. Do you push out one of those guys to make it work, or do you ask one of the incoming transfers not to come? I mean, it's not unheard of. I mean, Desi Sills last year went through it at Auburn. I mean, he was going to go to Auburn, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's at Arkansas State. I mean, that's because Auburn found somebody they liked better, and they pushed him out. That to me, it's in bad taste. I don't, I don't like that. It makes me feel dirty. But it's college basketball, and Eric Musselman, he does not care. He wants to win. He's going to find the best players that will help him win. So he's going to make it work. I mean, as of right now, if all those guys, the, the Twins, Jalen Williams, you know, if the Council kid commits, that puts them at fifteen. So then you're two over then do you have a Jackson Robinson transfer? And the other thing you got to factor in is that, you know, here we are past the May 1st deadline for immediate eligibility. Plus Jackson Robinson, Kamani Johnson have both previously transferred before. So there's going to have to be some sort of waiver process. It's, hmm. it's complicated. I, I'm, I'm curious to see if they, if the, somehow the coaching staff gets creative or, or what, but uh, man, it's, they, they got to figure it out. But again, the numbers will work themselves out. They always do. And, and I trust Eric Musselman, who's been doing this, you know, at the professional level and now at the college level for longer than I've been alive. Uh, he's going to get it figured out. Yeah, it's kind of where I'm at, too, where I'm like, uh, um, you know, going back to back elite eights, you kind of get a little bit of leeway when it comes to, you know, criticisms or concerns or questions that you have. It's kind of like, eh. We'll just sit back as long as they have, you know, guys dressing out this upcoming basketball season and, you know, they're able to put together a team. We'll just trust Musselman to do his job. But it should be fascinating to see what happens here in the coming weeks. Andrew Hutchison of hogbeat.com. You can follow him on Twitter at NWA Hutch. Great stuff uh, on hogbeat.com, putting together all things Razorbacks. And Andrew, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. Have fun the rest of the baseball season, man. I know we'll be catching up with you. 
Sounds good. Anytime, John.